Today, we're going to talk about Lady Gaga's second album, Born This Way, and ACDC's best-selling album, Back in Black. We'll discuss the ins and outs of both albums on this spooky Halloween episode. Listen to me when I say, we're back. Welcome to the Mixed Drift. I'm your host, Alexander with Dick, and brought to you by Shoulder Cats Radio, a friendly podcast network. Let's listen, laugh, and learn music appreciation together if some of the greatest albums still hold up. So grab your device and headphones and crank it up to 11. Think and feel the mixed riff. Happy Halloween there, uh, Dick. Yeah, yeah. Has it been spooky for you uh, so far? Spooky one? Uh, It kind of has. Uh, Our school where I teach at is quite spooky. That and just teenagers. (laughs) <laughs> the scariest of creatures. <laughs> um, so let's begin this episode with our liner notes where we discuss the album's history, developments, members, achievements, and fun facts. So, ranking at 484 by the Rolling Stones magazine greatest album of all time, releasing five, count them, five hit singles, Born This Way, Judas, The Edge of Glory, You and I, and Mary the Night, by Interscope Records on May 23rd of 2011. This American singer Lady Gaga composed her second studio album, Born This Way. Several producers helped co-write and co-produce with Lady Gaga for this album, Born This Way. Uh, Born This Way also has several well-accomplished musicians, such as E Street Band saxophonist Clarice Clemens and guitarist Brian May from Queen. This album performs has a variety of music genres from synth, dance, pop, house, techno, electro, heavy metal, disco, and rock and roll. Lady Gaga's lyrical themes range from individualism, feminism, freedom, sexuality, and religion. Fun fact, You and I, hit single, is co-produced by Lady Gaga and Robert John Mutt Lang. Now, for those that do not know, Robert John Mutt is the same gentleman who produced ACDC's album Back in Black. Speaking of Back in Black, that same Rolling Stone magazine in 2020 ranked this the 84th greatest album of all time. With the commercial breakout success of their 1979 album, Highway to Hell, it's a great album, uh, the band planned to record a follow-up. That album is Back Back in Black. I always want to say back to back. I don't, I I don't know. Anyways, this Aussie rock and roll band released their seventh studio album, Back in Black, on July 25th, 1980, by Albert Productions and Atlantic Records. Uh, The album's recording took about seven weeks at the famous Compass Point studio in the Bahamas. Uh, Back in Black features drummer Phil Rudd, bass guitar player Cliff Williams, and of course, famous guitar brother duo, Malcolm and Angus Young. Following the death of the previous lead singer, Bon Scott, the band's, uh, you know, Back in Black album features a new lead singer, Brian Johnson. God, what a (laughs) replacement he was. Uh, Another important individual to the success of this album was the aforementioned Robert John Mutt Lang. Here's a fun fact. Hell's Bells is the fifth most commonly played Halloween song on Spotify. I don't know about you, but uh, do you ever play Back in Black or uh, Hell's Bells for Halloween for your parties? I, you know, I need to have parties first, and then uh, 
and I'll play, I'll play, yeah, Hell's Bells for sure. Well, it's time for the feels where we share our initial reaction and uh, where we will discuss Mirror the Night by Lady Gaga and the entire album of Back in Black. So tell me, Dick, uh, what was your first impression of the first track of Born This Way, Mirror the Night? Oh, man. Lady Gaga is coming right out of the gate with an absolute banger. I think this was supposed to be the lead single, uh, and it ended up being, I think, maybe the last single they released. Um, But, I mean, this is an ode to painting the night red, painting the city red. Um, In this case, New York City. uh, You're talking about Whitney Houston, Bruce Springsteen, right? Wearing all of her uh, heroes on her sleeve. Um, It's always about that you know, next bar, the forever next bar, endless nights of drinking. Um, What's interesting is, uh, you know, I kind of read this. Neil McCormick from the Daily Telegraph said this was meatloaf going to the disco, which I think he meant that disparagingly. But I was like, that sounds like a great time. I I would listen to that. Um, One thing about Lady Gaga is you really have to watch the music videos to get kind of the whole story uh, for her songs. Uh, You know, that uh, the, the, the music video for this, uh, song is ambitious. It's autobiographical, you know, it's talking about all the hardship and, and, and stuff in life that can wear you down. It's like, no, we need to just express ourselves and, and dance our ass off. I just love it. <laughs> Alexander, I got a question for you. What emotions, uh, does the album back in black Kindle? Yeah. You know what? I grew up listening to this album in multiple of these tracks, you know, growing up, especially in high school. I I would actually, this would be one of my go-to albums I would listen to whenever I would need to get pumped up before a high school baseball game or before Taekwondo or whatever special occasion where I just needed to get amped. This was a go-to. And for me, it kind of goes, it it brings me back to my childhood. I I, I really enjoyed this album because it is... From start to finish, just a really fun album. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I remember, you know, learning the guitar in high school. Angus Young uh, was one of the patron saints of the pentatonic scale that uh, you just you have to worship at the feet of, uh, you know, every beginning guitarist. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. And uh, with that being said, stay tuned for The Mouthpiece and You Woke with Dick and me on the albums Back in Black by ACDC and Born This Way by Lady Gaga after the break. Welcome to The Mixed Riff, brought to you by Shouldercast Radio, a friendly podcast network. Subscribe now to your favorite app, uh, on your favorite app, you know, Apple, Google, Stitcher Podcast, uh, so that you don't miss a single episode. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at The Mixed Riff and visit Shouldercast Radio for more info about the show. This season's going to be just amazing. Let's sound off with a mouthpiece where we offer our analysis and interpretation on the th- songs Judas and Rock and Roll and Noise Pollution. So why do you think Lady Gaga created the song Judas, Dick? Uh, I mean... I feel like you can go down a very deep rabbit hole on this one Uh, because on the surface of it, you know, she's talking about this affection, uh, almost identifying with the title character, which is synonymous with with being a traitor. Right. 
the music is kind of like a variation of bad romance. So that's banging in the background. You got this tension uh, between identifying with, you know, the virtue of Jesus, right? Jesus is my virtue. But then uh, Judas is this demon that she's clinging to. And as always, the music video just deepens that vision uh, going through different um, religious um, icons and painting this complex, uh, kind of complicated painting of, of purity, waging war against these more base hedonistic impulses. It's, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And uh, I, I was going to tell myself I wasn't going to say this, but you, you can't think about this without thinking about Madonna. Um, so I, uh, anyways, mm. you know, I thought you were going to go with, uh, you know, her washing the dude's feet with her hair. Oh, oh, that'd have been a good one. Yeah. yeah I mean, that was a very interesting <laughs> lyrical line that I didn't, you know, expect. Uh, you know what? I'm wondering what and how are the musical and lyrical elements organized, combined and arranged and Rock and roll ain't noise pollution by ACDC. I'm really interested in that, Alexander. Okay. All right. So, th- again, this is a personal favorite of mine, and I enjoy how the song is a bit different compared to a majority of the tracks on this album. And I say that because many of the songs on this album kind of just start with this loud arena sounding dynamics, fast tempos, kind of an aggressive melody, yet dynamically in the beginning of... Rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Um, your imagination kind of takes you into this like juke joint bar with this lonesome blues guitar. You know, and this melody is just kind of, it, it's what's going to lay out the rock and roll ain't noise pollution, baby. And like shortly joins this mezzo piano sound of this flickering lighter from our comforting cigarette. And then Brian Johnson continues this autonomous sensory. Meridian response, the uh, ASMR that we all love to listen to, (laughs) of him exhaling slowly from his long drag hit. And with the remaining band members join, you know, the the slow, head-bobbing, grooving blues rock shuffle begins. And another, like, interesting musical element that stands out is, uh, is the tempo again in Rock and Roll Noise Pollution. Because the song's pace is a little bit more of a, a walking tempo, and the lyrics kind of match perfectly. See, the lyrics and the melody are also not aggressive, and the lyrics are kind of telling you to listen to the band's advice. You know, because rock and roll, you know, it ain't no riddle, man. You know, the, the, the song just gradually kind of crescendos into this larger-than-life sound by the end. And... uh you know, you, you just have to kind of write it out. And next thing you know, you have to, you know, you know, after you listen to the intro, the verse, the pre-chorus, you know, next thing you know, you just clench your fist and you're pumping it up in the air, just and yelling along with the chorus, that rock and roll ain't noise pollution. And, you know, overall, it's just a great song that combines all those wonderful musical lyrical elements. Moving on. It's time to wake up for you woke. And this is where we inform our listeners for consideration of cultural context. And for this segment, we will be discussing Born This Way and Back in Black. 
So, what social, political, and historical events may have influenced Lady Gaga in the title track and the first single, Born This Way? So, I mean, this was, you know, what, beginning of 2011, this was the Obama-era anthem for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, You know, it was the child of Madonna's Express Yourself, right? It was this straightforward, major key message of F off, you know, this is me. I'm going to live free. I'm going to live how I want to live. I feel like in early 2011, you hear the line, you know, don't be a drag, just be a queen. (laughs) And then having the ability to go see an actual drag show in the city, you just got this sense of everything being more accepting, that there was this genuine optimism for this generation. You felt like we get it. You can be yourself finally. Uh, Of course, 10 years later, kind of shows how naive I was. Uh, There's still a lot of um, change that needs to happen. But as a song, I mean, this was a confident, bold statement of a song. And I think it still kind of holds up. (laughs) Uh, What events in in the band's ACDC sees life, rather, uh, may have affected the creation of Back in Black, Alexander? Yeah, and the the creation of the song is, you know, just as important as kind of what Born This Way is and... You know, first I'm going to kind of, you know, just just wow, because this is a heck of a guitar hook of a song. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the lead guitar riff, you know, is something that every guitar player must learn. If you don't learn this, like you're just not guitar worthy at this point. (laughs) Like you just don't even waste your time joining a band. Um, but the, the event that affected the creation of Back in Black is sadly the death of former lead singer Bon Scott. And instead of the band, you know, putting their drumsticks and electric guitar battle axes away to retire, the band actually went out and found a new lead singer. And Brian Johnson came in and took this song, album, and the band honestly to a higher tier of a legendary rock band. Um, in 2009, you know, Mojo Magazine interview with Brian Johnson, you know, when asked to create some lyrics, you know, he recalled being told, it can't be morbid, it has to be for Bond, and it has to be a celebration. Uh, Brian Johnson thought and laughed, and, well, no pressure there. <laughs> Understandably so. Um, I just wrote what came into my head, which at the time seemed like mumbo-jumbo. Nine lives, cat's eyes, abusing every one of them and running wild. <laughs> and the boys got it. Uh, they saw Bond's life within those lyrics. And I truly find the creation of Back in Black to be impressive. Um, I find it to be impressive because you have a newcomer, Brian Johnson, joining an already successful rock band. And then to change and create the lyrical material for this new album... That, that's a tall order. <laughs> also, learning and creating chemistry, you know, with this new band within the process, you know, is mind-blowing. And, again, to create lyrics about a person you don't genuinely know well, you know, that's, that's a challenge. And what a well-executed, great song, performance by the band, and most importantly, Brian Johnson. Yeah, you think about it. 
this could have been a disaster of an album. And instead, it's probably their best album, right? It's it's amazing how they took tragedy and made some of the best bar music ever created. <laughs> <laughs> Just what Bon Scott wanted. That's right. <laughs> Excuse me. It's time to begin the pompous thoughts segment of the show where we discuss the expression of aesthetic judgment. And here we will talk about you and I and she shook me all night. Alexander, how effectively do Lady Gaga, Queen's Brian May, and former ACDC producer Mutt select and combine musical elements to achieve this country rock feel in the song You and I? And I want to state before you answer that, I adore this song. It's so good. Yes, um... You know, I, I know we're discussing a lot of the hits by Lady Gaga, you know, and some of my personal favorites are, you know, Government Hooker, um, Heavy Metal Lover. But You and I is also a close second or third personal favorite song on this album. To answer your question, though, uh, most of the songs on Born This Way, though, are dance, synth, techno-electronic-influenced pop songs. Yet, when you listen to You and I, it combines multiple country music elements. And what I mean by that, you know, most country music elements include, you know, great storytelling lyrics, those twangy vocals, supporting duet vocalists, folk major key harmonies, and, of course, string instruments. And You and I really stands out about as unique as a Midwest rule Nebraska raisin pie. <laughs> this country genre power ballad rock dance song and music video was actually recorded in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Lady Gaga's performance takes you back to your hometown that you have not been around for a while. And one of the country lyrical themes that she sings about is the great storytelling reminiscence of a former lover. And Lady Gaga... Oh my, let me try that again. Twangy vocals are captured wonderfully <laughs> with the help of being on tour and smoking 30 heaters and throwing back a couple of glasses of Jameson whiskey for a rough vocal track. And music producer Robert Mutt John Lang loved, loved the musical recording so much that he kept it. Robert John Mutt Lang's contribution to the song is also his Sweet vocal harmony and duet that we all secretly love to hear in this song. And the stadium country power ballad that you feel? Well, guess what? Buckle up, Buckaroo, because you can thank legendary rock and roll band Queen's guitarist Brian May, who featured... See, you and I has layered hand claps, drums, and foot beats, all from guess what song? Queen's We Will Together These... Country genre music elements selected and combined with these three talented musical minds just make a epic country power ballad rock, rock hit single. I I don't think I'll ever free that that refrain of you and I is forever cemented in my in my brain cave. I I didn't even it's one of those things I'm not a hundred percent thrilled about country. I do love a lot of country music, uh, 
but this song does it for me 110%. What a banger. So in what ways does the band ACDC evoke this party life, sex, and other emotions, and she shook me all night? (laughs) Well, that might be the easiest question I've ever been asked in my entire life. Um, This might be the best song ever, the greatest song about lasting all night. (laughs) And uh, it it perhaps might even be on the Mount Rushmore of greatest sex songs. (laughs) I I was trying to think like sexual healing. There's a couple of other ones. Um, It's tough to pick the best line from Brian Johnson. Uh, I think my personal favorite is uh, she told me to come, but I was already there. Like, (laughs) <laughs> that it, you're just infusing just visual things and humor and uh, self-deprecation but like i'm gonna continue although like those opening vehicular metaphors right comparing her to a car uh those kill me as well uh, what's amazing about this song is it doesn't really talk about partying and drugs like at, at least not explicitly you know instead of cocaine you're high on those american thighs You're going 12 rounds. You're not doing it with the lingering weekenders, but you're doing it with the best damn woman that you've ever seen. It's such a love song, Alexander. (laughs) You know what? If it wasn't going to be the song I was going to have you, uh, I was going to ask you about giving the dog a bone. (laughs) And I I, I just didn't know if we could air that response. Um, For those of you that have not ever read or listened to, to the song giving a dog a bone it, it, it's it's very cheeky and uh you you should probably watch it because i think it's probably one of the very few songs that's just about giving head so there you <laughs> go right, right. O- oral sex yes yes, yes. <laughs> so. and on that note yeah stay tuned in for beat to your own drum too hot too cold and just right with Alexander and I on the album's Back in Black by ACDC and Born This Way by Lady Gaga. The Mixed Drift is sponsored by Shoulder Cats Radio. Shoulder Cats Radio is a company that values friendship as well as their relevance to our listeners. Make way for Beat to Your Own Drum. Here we take a moment to sit and think on the ongoing reflections. Here we will think, feel the mixed drift about the edge of glory and hell's bells. So, Dick, in what ways do you feel The Edge of Glory is successful, and in what ways would you change the song to improve it? This song is the absolute highlight for me on this album. Really? I adore this song. It has a perfect chorus that sounds like it's just always existed, like the universe. It's just always been there. You have this saucy little sax solo from Clarence Clemens, right, from the E Street Band. You got this deeply emotional inspiration behind the tune. Uh, It was about her grandfather passing, and, you know, she got this sense that he decided, you know, it's okay to let go. He had been married uh, to her grandmother, to his wife for 60 years, And it was so fulfilling and there's just no more mountains left to climb. And so you just have everything. And and that chorus in particular kills me when she climbs up, you know, with the edge, 
the edge, right? I, I'm not even going to do it justice because I would butcher that. <laughs> but it just gives me chills. It's she is such a talented songwriter. You know, she can dance. She's artistic. She's amazing. But that hits me every single t- time. I'll be honest, Alexander. I wouldn't change a damn thing about this song. Really? <laughs> it's 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 a perfect piece of pop music with a great story behind it. I I I would be very hard pressed to change anything. Uh, now there's some other songs on this album I would tinker with, but you asked me about the Edge of Glory, and uh, and that's my answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, mm. How did the song Hell's Bells affect, I guess, the audience, the listening audience? Was it the way that ACDC intended, Alexander? You know, I find the song Hell's Bells to be pretty epic and a quite a universal tune. You know, at, at this time, I think Hell's Bells is a rock and roll anthem that affects most people getting pumped up or amped. Now, was it the band's intentions during the creation? Maybe, possibly, somewhat. The backstory and how Hell's Bells was written and, you know, if anything, it's more sincere and kind of magical, really. Um, you know, the song begins with this funeral-like setting that's portrayed, you know, with this grave echoing bells playing and shortly joins kind of this morning guitar melody that's really not that fancy. And it just kind of continues this funeral-like emotion. And this is all as an acknowledgement for ACDC's former lead singer, um, Bon Scott. Now, the magic portion of the song that I've mentioned is kind of being at the right place and at the right time. And this is that's me referencing the Compass Point Studios in the Bahamas, during a tropical thunder pouring rainstorm. The white flashing lightning was kind of that inspirational jolt that a uh, new lead singer Brian Johnson needed to finish the first verse lyrics to that song. Um, I, I do believe ACDC successfully and intentionally made Hell's Bells to kind of showcase their rock and roll legacy on the album. But I think more importantly... Bon Scott. Uh, and, and for me, again, I immediately put my game face on and get ready to kick some ass, you know, whenever I play the song. And the greatness of Hell's Bells allows us to all kind of enjoy this song, whether it be for a spooky Halloween party or an epic entrance music at a packed sports stadium or in your favorite action movie or your local rowdy biker bar, you know. <laughs> but yeah that's a hundred it's a hundred percent true a few songs rarely get you as pumped as this one does yeah and i i guess to can conclude i you know i do believe acdc's intentions for hell's bells to be more of a with that being said the time has come for too hot too cold or just right where we express our opinions of albums are rated oh. too high meaning overrated too low or too cold, meaning underrated, or just right, meaning properly ranked from the Rolling Stones magazine's 500 greatest albums of all time. So, do you think the album Back in Black 
is too hot, too cold, or just right? And why, of course. So I, I think this album is pretty fairly regarded. Uh, what was it? 80, what did I say earlier? 84? Yes. Is is top 100. Uh, and if you, I, I've loved ACDC probably more than I should have uh, in high school and college. Um, I bought a lot of their albums. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about like Thunderstruck and some other stuff for those about to rock. We'll salute you. Like even they're still creating music today. And I, I still listen to some of that, some of that music. I, I, I want to say it's a little, uh, a little overrated. I mean, it's amazing bar music. It might be some of the best bar music ever put to ever recorded. But if we're talking about artistic merit and, you know, I just talked about having sex all night long as part of one song and hell's bells just being repeated in a chorus. There's no frills about what they're doing. I think it's just having fun. It's pure hedonism. So I, I think it's ever so slightly, I could see this maybe if on, on a list, maybe between 100 and 200. So it's slightly, what are we doing here? Slightly hot? Yeah, it'd be too hot. Just slightly, just ever so slightly. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in and I'm going to join you on this bandwagon because I do agree with you that, you know, Hell's Bells, or I'm sorry, Back in Black, you know, this album is also too hot. And I do truthfully believe that it should be on the Rolling Stones 500 greatest albums of all time. Um, but I, f- I feel like a hundred is, you know, asking a lot. I mean, th- there are several albums, you know, on its heels that are equally as it, are, are truthfully better. Um, whether we're talking about Miles Davis, bitches brew the doors debut album, you know, th- those are two albums that are, in my personal opinion, are better. And a second point that I want to kind of mention is I think we as a society, um, we are kind of becoming a little bit more open on our views on women and society. And I'm just not sure if this album is going to culturally hold up in the long run. I, I, I do think it's time is going to pass it by at some point. Yeah, I could, I could see where this, it already feels slightly dated in, in some ways. Uh, I mean, it still rocks. My biggest issue is it's just, and, and it's, it's not ACDC's fault, but I've heard like the title track. I don't know how many times it, it has ceased to even be, uh, a song in some ways. It's just, <laughs> it, it's like a, it's like, you know how you forget you're sitting on a seat after a while. You don't, you don't recognize things pressing against you, right? Your mind is off. It almost seems like it's just part of the fabric of the universe, which I guess I, I could see the counter argument being, well, that must mean it's truly amazing. If it's so, so good that it has become part of the fabric of the universe. But to me, it's just like, I don't know. I, maybe I've just over listened uh, to to a lot of this album. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to. 
I want ACDC fans to come after me. It's it's an incredible album. I just I just feel like it's it's uh, I couldn't explain it any other way. It's just now with the universe. Yeah, no, like and it is a great album. Straight up. Great album. Just not at 84. That's all. Mm-hmm. Th- that's how I would put it. It definitely belongs to that Rolling Stones list for sure. Just not at 84, though. Right. Uh, so, so what do you think about Born This Way? I think this one's tougher. I will freely admit, I'm going to be humble on this one. I've heard a lot of uh, Lady Gaga uh, music in my life, but I am by no means an expert on this. I feel like I almost feel like I'm not the right person to ask if this is overrated, underrated, because I feel like it's almost it's also kind of too recent, like it's been within a decade. Uh, so it's it, we can talk about this in another episode. It's just so recent that it's tough for me to say whether this is somehow overrated, underrated. I feel like they just released the 10th anniversary album uh, for this. So I'm going to be very boring and neutral and say this is just right for now. I I, I, I really enjoy the album, as you could probably tell, listeners. Uh, there's a couple of songs here that I adore. I just don't know in the pantheon of of music where something like this will fall. I, I don't think there's enough distance between me and the art, uh, yet to, to make some sort of intelligent, you know, uh, I, I would say it's just right. What a cop out answer. <laughs> hey, I'm trying, does, does that sound like a politician or something? Is that, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I Is would that vote a for answer. <laughs> Uh, Why about you? Why don't you be bold, Alexander? So I do think this album is a little too cold. I do think it's underrated. Um, And I think a lot of the lyrical themes that that she is writing and singing about are important, and they are still issues that we are still fighting for at this moment of time in history. Now... I'm not saying that it's in the top 100, not even the top 250. I mean, out of the 500 greatest albums, I mean, this this is still in the 400 range. I just think it's a little bit better than 484. What was it? Yeah, it just barely made the list, yeah. Right. I do think it performed a lot better than where it's currently ranked. Um, both this album... And ACDC's, um, you know, Back in Black, a common um, weakness that both of these albums have are their bridges. I noticed both of their bridge bridges and codas for both of these albums happen to be lyrically weak. Now, I, I, I do find them to be musically engaging and fun, but, you know, again, they're not really doing that much for you during the bridge we're talking just oohs and ahs and la la's and uhs yeah i'll be i'll be honest with you Uh, my biggest issue i love both of these artists i love these albums but analyzing it i don't maybe the listeners can also notice this Uh, everything is there 
there, there's not a lot of a deep dive into some of this stuff. And I think that's why when you watch Lady Gaga's uh, music videos, you get a deeper sense. It's a richer palette uh, for things going on. I don't know if ACDC has an equivalent out there. I, I have a feeling their music videos don't. I think they double down on their message, but I, I, I can't, don't, don't hold me to that. But, uh, yeah, I think that's my biggest, uh, complaint. If I was going to complain about anything on this episode, it's just the, the message is there. It's very clear. It's very direct. Um, there's not a lot of, uh, deep diving into, into meaning for this, but that might, once again, that might be something that people appreciate, uh, being a straight shooter as an artist. Right. And, and, and this is a podcast about music appreciation, and this is not us bashing these two albums, because that is not the purpose of what we are trying to do. Um, and, and again, I, I just want to emphasize, you know, Born This Way is underrated. I do think it needs to be rated higher, but again, just not that much better, though. Yeah. So, I mean, you're out there. Let us know. Is this is this overrated, underrated, too hot, too cold? Um, did we miss something about cultural context uh, with with these albums? Uh, both of these fan bases for 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 these artists are uh, fierce. Oh, we're gonna they get love, butchered. We're, yeah, oh. they love they love both. So yeah, but that's fine. Uh, we were trying to you know appreciate and learn more about these uh, these albums and these artists. So just uh, just let us know about about what you think. Um, what did we, in case you're wondering, you know, okay, where do we go to next? There are two things, one for each one of these artists that I really love. So for Lady Gaga, when I was living in South Korea, 2012, I went to go see her on the, uh, the tour that she was on, um, born this way, uh, the, the tour, was it the born this way ball? Uh, if you get a chance to go see her live, do not miss it. She is an insanely talented musician, dancer. The whole production's amazing. Um, look her up on YouTube. She was on the Howard Stern show and she does incredible live performances um, of her songs. Uh, I, I was getting a little, little misty listening to uh, Million Pieces, um, which she came out with, you know, later. Uh, I think it was 2016. Um, so don't miss don't don't miss any of that. For ACDC, I have to admit, if you want to dig a little deeper into ACDC, check out the soundtrack album Who Made Who. When they came out with this in 1986, um, they they did it for the movie. It was Stephen King, uh, who was, I believe, the director with Emilio Estevez in this movie, Maximum Overdrive, where uh, this comet tail gets through the earth and machines start killing humans and it's crazy. They did the soundtrack for this. Who made who? It's incredible. You got to check it out. I kind of want to watch it. I I, I never knew that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next time, who is the next album? And we will listen to and analyze next. For our next episode, we will listen to James Brown's album, Star Time and Sex Machine, for our Thanksgiving special, Gobble, Gobble, Gobble. This has been The Mixed Riff. I'm Dick. Thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, where Shoulder Caps Radio makes its podcasting dreams come true. You can find all of us 
at shouldercatsradio.com. If you have feedback on today's episode, tweet us at The Mixed Riff or comment. We'd love to hear from you. We really would. Good, bad, or neutral like I was earlier. Uh, Join us again next time. Remember to think, feel the mixed riff. Thanks for listening.